Welcome back to another episode of Ales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And Tom, do you know what I just did there? I paused for the sellers and the sales leaders. I you, love when you pause. Just Eight. because you were going to make fun of the second pause anyway, and I wanted mm. twice the fun today. I wanted you to make fun twice. So get started with me. Uh, Scott, actually, to be honest with you, I was not actually, I said actually twice there. Um, so. Yes, you did. I did. So obviously I'm not the professional that you are, but I was thinking more about my beer than I was about your intro. If Which I is exactly what you should. I were completely candid. My mind was on beer and beer intro. I was being well, self-centered, Scott. And you're the most self-centered, other-centered person I've ever met. So I, mean, well, I think that's perfect. You. Thank you. That's I what my wife perfect. says. <laughs> well, this is great because you are back for a third consecutive week on Ales with Aslan because we have a third in a three-part series. Today, mm. we're going to talk about delivering the perfect presentation, the actual delivery. The first two weeks, we talked about the framework and then kind of setting the stage or controlling the stage. This week, we'll get into all of your key points about the delivery. But first, because the show first. is called Ales with Aslan, I, I want to know what sales is with Aslan. Is it sales with Aslan or ales with Aslan? You know the answer to this. The <laughs> S is for sales so that people can find through a search. Got it. Got it. So words. friends listening at home, <laughs> when you tell people, tell them it's sales with Aslan. Sales but with then we drink a lot of beer. But the big A tells you it's about an ale. Big it's A. About the ale. So what is, uh, what is frosty, cold, and refreshing in front frosty, of you? Frosty, right cold, and refreshing. I'm going with a local brewery again, Scott. Of course you are. This is from Gate City Brewery in Roswell, Georgia, which is a little happening hamlet just north of Atlanta. You said hamlet. Happening hamlet. <laughs> it's, it's a little, little village in Roswell. It's a quaint little main street. You know, you up in the northeast have a lot of quaint little we, main streets, we little do. areas, little little towns and province. We don't have a lot of it in the South. Everything looks the same. They're all strip malls with a I TJ Maxx and a grocery store and a Home Depot, and they all look the same. But this is a little area of Atlanta that's got a little bit of historic um, ambiance, and they've got a, two breweries, actually, which I'll bring up the next brewery on the next podcast. Okay. All right. This is Gate City. I'm having Citrus Maximus, Ooh. which is kind of the Tropicalia kind of citrusy IPA that people like to drink in the summer. And I am one of those people. That sounds amazing. All right. Next time I'm in Atlanta. ABV. And that's all I have to share about that. And you said 5.6? Yeah. I thought it's not too, it's no, not, it's too, not too strong. That's not 7.8 or whatever it was last week. No, I fell asleep in the podcast. I hope yeah, the that, listeners didn't know that. I do think you started to Get off your game toward the end of that mm -hmm. 7.8. I, on the other hand, am also going local. I'm going local to Rhode Island. Mm. Uh, I am going to go with the Newport, it used to be called Newport Storm. They call themselves Newport Craft Brewery now. And I have selected the Storm Blueberry. Mm. This is a 4.6% alcohol by volume. And I love this line here. This is a year-round light beer. Mm. However... It is ideal for warmer weather, which, by the way, it is getting warm. So, so they don't I mean, want to tell you not to drink it in, like, November. Yeah, it's not. No, they don't want to cut off part of their audience. December. You can't drink this in <laughs> December and January. <laughs> so I also have gone to the fruity side of the ale. Ah, I uh, like continuum. the fruity, right. fruity side. <laughs> All right, cheers, my friend. Mm. Mm. Fresh and blue, I love it. Very that. good, very good. 
I guess it's blueberry picking season around now. I'm not positive of that, but our callers and listeners can tell us. Um, all right. So Tom, we, uh, like I said, in the opening, we've, we've, we've been on a little bit of a binge about the virtual uh, presentation challenges out there. So we talked about mm-hmm. the framework and then we talked about setting the stage and controlling the stage. But today we want to get into, you know, some tips about the actual delivery. And again, just to, just to make sure people have context, the delivery of a very high level, uh, very important presentation that might be further mm. into the cell cycle. That's the kind of presentation we've been uh, illustrating over the last couple of weeks, right? Well, so, I think that's true, but I, I, the, the tips that we're going to talk about today probably, and I haven't really thought about that question, but will probably apply to most any presentation that you make, a demo that's early or kind of get to know you presentation that happens early in the process, or the finals, finals yep. uh, presentation that you just mentioned. I think all the things we're going to talk about today probably will relate to both. Excellent. So well, more bang good. for the buck. More bang for the buck in this podcast. This podcast is loaded for bears. So let's get started. Um, you know, I, this is again, this is a nice compliment to a blog series that you've also put out. So I think for the the listeners, if you really want to delve deeper into these topics, there's three blogs that sort of correspond to these three podcasts that'll give you even more detail. But let's go through one by one each of the points that that you've illustrated in the blog and talk a little bit about. Let's start with, you know, this idea that we've got to cram everything we know into a presentation, right? That's, we got to show, it's like the A you used to get back in college when you handed in the paper that was a hundred pages. Yeah, thicker's (laughs) better. Thicker's better, more is better. better. Yeah, but that's not the case, is it? It's really all about the opposite. This is a very, very common mistake. And I think the the reason that people show too much content is their fear that if I don't cover something and I leave out something, I'm going to lose. So then I throw everything I can at them. And hopefully one of the few things or 10 of the things that I share will stick. And here's the problem. When you try to answer all the customer's questions and give them everything that you have to offer in one presentation, they walk away with zero. So they tune out. And so as soon as they see all that information and they see all the slides, they just tune out. Plus you start to get frantic as you realize I got to move fast and deliver all these points really quickly. So you pick up the pace, you talk too fast, and then actually you end up losing and no points are transferred. So I think the, you know, the, the, the thing, the truth that you have to embrace when you're, you're thinking about how much content is that you cannot answer all the customer's questions. Your goal is to create the desire to learn more or get the desire to have their questions answered. Even if it's the finals, you're not going to get all their questions answered, but if they choose you or they go, you're my number one based on that presentation, then they're going to, the next step is going to be now let's clean it up and answer all those questions. So you will have a chance to answer those questions if you create that desire, but you will not create that desire if you throw 50 slides out. Yeah. You try to shoehorn too much in there. You're going to create confusion. And we know we've talked about this on the podcast before a confused mind will not decide, will not make a buying decision. That's a good point. Plus the less content you have, the more opportunity for interaction. Yep. You can, you can say what you want about the slide. You can, you can, it tees up the point and allows you to engage the audience and you to tell the story that you want to tell and park on something that's really important. So if, if too little, is better than too much, which is sort of one of your themes. What's mm. the solution to that? How do you how do you ensure that you have I don't know just the right amount of content? The right amount. Of, here's the, here's the framework that's worked for me for years: five minutes per meaty slide. Okay. 
So not, I think of slides in two categories, navigational or just, hey, you need to, I want you to show you something, a picture of something that's not a meaty slide. It's not something yeah. you're going to cover. It's like, this is what this looks like, or here's where we're, you know, here's, I, I you know. Like eye candy, really, just something to Yeah, it's like, I want to show you something real quick, or this is where we are in the presentation. Maybe it's a re, um, you're, you're revisiting a point. I'm yep. just showing them a data point. It's not, it's not a meaty slide. Yep. But if you think about your meaty slides, five minutes per slide. And when you think, and the other thing you need to do is cut 15 minutes out of your presentation. So for example, if you've got a 90 minute presentation, you need to cut it down to 75 because something's going to go wrong. Somebody's going to talk too long. You're going to start late. So take 15 minutes out. Now you multiply, you divide 75 by five and there's your number. Yeah. And then yeah. when you look at, you got 40 slides and you only got time for 15, you got a problem, but stick with that formula. And that's a great framework. Okay. Using your slides. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and the question, cause I think we talked about this last week when controlling the stage, the question and answer part, um, you know, for folks that, that get confused by that. Yeah. I think if people want to ask questions, that's important. But Tom, you brought up a great point last week about, making sure that the questions are relevant to what you want to get across and you got to control right. that piece. Right. Right. Yeah. You still are going to have Q and a. Yeah. Um, and so if it's an important slide and like, like for example, a common question is what's your process? How right. do you engage with this? How do you work with this? What's a timeline? That's an important question. That's part of that Q and a section of your um, framework. But you still need to say that's going to take five minutes. Yeah. Yep. Now, if you're willing to, if you're willing to run out of time, right? So let's say you, you want to put some additional content and it, with the idea that, hey, we did start on time and we didn't have as much talking or bantering yep. or just, you know, discussion as I built into it and I can get to these slides, you put them in the back and you may or may not get to them, That's but it's point. a, it's a, it's a bonus. Not, it's not the heart. You want to stand up and feel completely confident that you have 15 slides that will tell the story you want to tell, and you're going to have plenty of time to deliver that. And so you feel good. They feel good. They, they, they can consume the amount of information that you're giving them. Um, and you're going to be able to make the points you want to make. So if you've got five minutes allocated for each of your quote unquote meaty slides, mm -hmm. what are the two, two or three things that you sort of need to accomplish on those slides? Cause I know you, you talk about this in the blog, you talk about, you know, the, 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 the points you want to get across and how you actually sort of construct that uh, before you go into the meeting. What, what are those, those tips or mistakes even that, the, that someone could make when preparing their slides? Well, when you, when you think about preparing your slides, and this, this goes to the sort of the points that you're talking about, is when I'm preparing my slides and filtering through what slides and what I'm going to show on those slides, I think about what their decision drivers are and yeah. what do I offer that's proprietary that relates to those decision drivers. That's where you're going to win or lose is based on what you proprietarily can provide. Yep. In other words, proprietary means you own it. In other words, no one else can offer it, only you own it. It could be your process, it could be you, it could be an aspect of your solution. But if you look at their decision drivers and then you see what, what, what proprietary benefit that you offer, a proprietary process that you only you can offer that's related to those decision drivers, that's how you vet your content. 
So even though they may have other decision drivers, like let's just say one of their decision drivers is a global solution. Yeah. And every comp, every competitor that you're going to stand up against is going to have a global solution. They're all going to skip say it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You can again answer that question quickly, but it's not a meat. It's not a meaty slide because right. it's not proprietary. Now, if there's something about it that's proprietary, then that becomes a meaty slide. So you cannot present everything. As I tell our people all the time, I said, if I want to stand in a room and, and tell them everything we can do, I need eight hours. They gave us, <laughs> right. they gave us 60 minutes. <laughs> so we have to cut. So where do you cut? Yeah. You cut based on, you look at their decision drivers. What do you offer proprietary that lines up with that? And that's what you focus on. Yeah. And by the way, if there's zero in those boxes, you're going to lose. That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, it was, I was training one time and a customer actually did say, well, we don't really have anything proprietary. And I was like, well, how do you win? Like what, yeah. what makes, what differentiates you? Well, we have great customer service. Well, doesn't everybody say that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure. Right. So yeah. What's the difference? Why is your customer service great? Right. Maybe yeah. There's a and I think usually it's because we haven't actually they can't answer the question, but there's something because see the customers looking at four or five partners. Right. And so they go, well, I see that you have all this related to customer service or it might be price or something. And so they see that it's proprietary, but, but you don't. So yep. um, top sellers know their solution, but they also know their competitive solution. So That's good if point. they've got, yeah, if they've got, if they're aware of what the competitor offers that and they've got something different and something unique, then obviously that's what they're going to focus on. Huge point. Huge point. All right. So, so good. All right. So relative to too little is better than too much. What, what, any other parts of the solution? Cause I know we talk about, you know, limiting ourselves to five, five minutes per slide, but you know, and getting that down, any other sort of tips to, to, to make sure that you have prepared each slide to perfection before you even get in the room. Um, yeah, I would, the other thing I would say is when you look at the slides, the slide is a lot of people put way too much content on the slide. Yeah, I think that's right. So the, sl the slide should not tell the story. You want them looking at you, whether you, especially if you're virtual, right? So you want them eye contact with you, not reading a bunch of stuff on a slide. So two things happen when there's a lot of content on a slide, either they're going to tune out or they're going to read. Right. And if they read, there's not going to be enough time for them to absorb it, get it. And then you're going to be moving on and they're not listening to you. And there's no way that what's being um, written there can really tell the story. So you create confusion and the brain wants to avoid confusion. Yep. Brain craves simplicity. It does not want to burn calories. So you're talking stuff's on the slide and then it just, people just tune out. Then they're going to be on email and, 92% of the 92% of people will say that they're doing something during a virtual meeting. Yeah. So you want them engaged. So either they're going to, so the slide just also should create with very little amount of content. It could have a visual with few words. It creates the, the need to learn more. Like the brain wants to solve mysteries. So yeah. They don't know what it is. Like, what is that? Like one of the things we always say in a presentation is you need to measure in 4d four dimensions. They don't know what that is. I've never put that on a slide where somebody didn't say what's 4d. Yeah. Well, now I'm talking about it yeah. versus if I wanted to explain what 4d is, how do you measure in four dimensions? I would need three paragraphs to explain that. Well, exactly. 
it's like, well, why don't you read the paragraphs? I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. so they're not going to do that. So that's the other tip I would provide. So make sure your slide doesn't have so much information that that becomes a distraction because there's enough distractions for folks that are especially in virtual meetings, but even when yeah. they're in a face-to-face type of presentation, there's, there's other stuff going on. They've got their phone. There's ways that they can be distracted. If your slide is another one, you're, you're going to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the and, slide and, should tee up what you want to say, not say what you want to say. So some of the best, like I remember, I still remember being in a presentation several years ago and and the guy pulled up a slide. It was just an empty pool. Really? Just an empty pool. And this is in a time where this is probably 10 years ago, the time where people would have tons of stuff on their slides, you know, a lot of animation, a lot of stuff going on. He just showed an empty pool. We all just were like, what's, what is the empty pool about? And then he made a really good one sentence point about the empty pool and how it connected to something he offered proprietary. And I was like, that was awesome. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's a great example of a slide that you, you want to um, deliver that message. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, that, that's a, that's a really important, probably one of the most important things to think about. So we just think less is more. We, we talk about it all the time in our personal lives and our business lives. When you're in this type of presentation, it's absolutely critical that you have the right content, not as much content as you can squeeze on there. Mm. Um, let's talk about sort of the role and the objective. You know, you, you've got, when you come in, you've got to reframe that each time. You've got to make sure that everybody's caught up. But talk to me about that, that tip from your blog uh, and how, how that Yeah, the, the first thing that I want to do in the presentation is reframe my role. So yeah. they think that you're there to sell them something and earn a commission. That's right. Which means they think you're self-centered. Mm-hmm. Right? I, regardless of if I haven't thought about it, I'm actually probably thinking the same thing. I actually, that is my motive. Yeah. I want to win. And when I want to win and I'm worried about losing, I get nervous. So I'm nervous because I want to win and lots on the line and the customer's guarded at best case they're guarded. Right. Um, and so that's just not a good way to start. So here, so here's what I would recommend. And I've, I've done this. I can't tell you the number of times I've done this and it has worked every single time, but it has to be sincere. I start off and say, my goal, my objective of this presentation is not to sell you our solution. And I pause because people kind of lean, what? Now that gets their attention. Yeah. They go, Look, we've been doing this for 20 plus years. So what I, my goal and what I found is the best way to deliver this presentation is to share with you what we've learned about the best way to solve the problem that's on the table today. So yes, I ultimately would love to do business with you, but that's not my goal today. My goal is to share best practices of what we learned about how to solve the problem and how we would solve the problem. My goal is to share that. So it's really more about education. I know that if I do that, actually it will help you figure out if I'm the right solution for you. So yes, I want your business, but this is my objective today is to share that. And then they kind of get relaxed. And I've talked to customers after that, once they've chosen us and said they loved that. Yeah. And I will also tell you, if I don't do that, I had a presentation recently where I didn't do that. And there was so much on the line that I found myself's gravitational pull to self. And I was, I could see myself trying to win the deal and I wasn't confident as I normally am. And I, um, I couldn't think as clearly. And so I, but I just didn't stop and reset my compass, if you will, and redefine yeah. my role and say, that's not my goal right now. 
And so that's, I think that's a super important way to start your presentation. If you don't feel comfortable saying it, and some people won't, especially when, if you want to try it, don't say it, but still make the decision before right. the presentation, recenter yourself and say, my goal is to really just help the customer understand what's the best way to solve their problem. If you do not know that, then you're going to have a poor presentation and you're probably not going to win. Yeah. So that's the, so even if it's just your mindset that you're changing, yeah. even if those words don't flow naturally from you. And, and again, I think that's, that is a, you know, having been in sales, most of my career sales and marketing, I, I have always, you know, I, I have always felt a sense of other centeredness that I look back in, uh, on the way that mm -hmm. I sort of ran my career. But I don't think everybody has this, that, that, I mean, just look at some of the trainings we all got early in our career. Right. They, they, they're gimmicks and some it's things. all about you, winning. It's all about winning. It's, it's about, you know, getting through the gatekeeper instead of yeah. going arm in arm with the gatekeeper as a, as a person that can be helpful to both you and their company in making the right decision. I love, I love that. I think that makes a ton of sense. And I think, what it creates is the T word, right? That starts to create trust. Right. Um, because you've come off that, that prototypical sales sort of, I don't know, reputation. And you've said, I am here to help you make a great decision, whether mm -hmm. it involves me or not, which is really hard probably for some people to fathom. Yeah. The, the, the key here is to know that you're going to be more successful if you focus on serving than selling. Yeah. And that's where the genuine shift happens. That's how you, that's how I can genuinely make that shift. I don't have to give up income. Right. Now there might be some short term companies that I will tell early in the process, Hey, I doesn't look like this is a fit or I don't have what you need. And sometimes that that's hard, but the reality is I'm going to be more successful because I've been doing this long enough to know I'm going to be more successful and win more deals if I focus on serving than selling. That doesn't mean I can be reactive and just wait for the customers to buy. I still need to lead. I still need to challenge. I still need to do the work. But ultimately, my goal is to help them come up with the best way to solve the problem. Yep. And if I have that mindset and I'm sincere, I'm going to make more money. Yep. Yep. Do you, um, I, mean, I think it's always helpful and people write in and tell me it's always great to hear like live examples or, or mm -hmm. real life examples, I should say. Um, do you have any good examples or, or, you know, stories where this either worked or don't, didn't work? You know, like it, sometimes it's helpful to hear when you, when you kind of flamed out, but do you have any good stories <laughs> or, or, uh, or, or an example where this might've worked with a real live, yeah. with live ammo, as we say sometimes? The live ammo. Yeah. <laughs> the. I think I shared earlier that where it, it, it worked. Um, but I'll, I'll show you, I'll share, I'll share a very specific situation where it didn't work. And this is, <laughs> this really cemented in my mind, this idea of, of I need to stop and ch choose my agenda or priority before the meeting. Mm -hmm. Another way I say it is the decision that I make before the meeting is probably the most important decision I'll make or what I do before the meeting has more outcome, has more effect on the outcome of the meeting than actually the meeting or what yep. I do in the meeting. Uh, I walked in to meet with Turner broadcasting mm -hmm. and we did not at the time have a customer service program. This was years ago. This was like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a customer service program. I was there to talk about inside sales. They had an inside sales group. And she said at the very beginning of the meeting, the decision maker said, do you have a customer service program? And I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Of course we do. Yeah, of course. I mean, at the time, I mean, I was desperate. We just started Aslan. Yeah. I mean, this might have been 25 years ago. We just yeah. started Aslan. Yeah. I got four kids at home. I need a commission. You know, I need money. And so I just started drawing on a, you know, on a, a notepad and trying were they to make chalk, up. Were they chalkboards back then, not whiteboards? Yeah, yeah there, was, there, was, there, was, there was actual, we used actual paper. It was actual paper. Yeah, okay. There's no iPhones. Yeah. We did have cell phones. Um, but, and I tried to draw something on a legal pad and I started getting hot, you know, and I'm getting sweaty and she's just looking at me and the fire alarm goes off and it was almost like saved by the bell. Yeah. So now she has to go outside and stand with me and it's just awkward and it's all awkward because I just lied. Yeah. Or I tried yeah. to make, I just said, you know, I should, I should have just said no. Yeah. Well, it turns out she didn't choose us. Uh, you know, after an awkward 20 minutes in the parking lot and we went back in the building and she's like, great, Frank, send me something, whatever, you know, and we really never talked about what I thought was the reason I was there in the first place, which was inside sales training for sales reps, not customer service. Um, she turns out, I found out later, she chose another company for inside sales training. They didn't even buy customer service. It was, I think she just wanted to refer see if we could help a friend of hers or something. Yeah. So that was, that's, that for me is the marker in my mind for if that it's in my best interest to serve my customers and put, put my customers first. And here's the way I think about it. If you ever listen to Pandora, if you have a joint account on Pandora mm -hmm. and somebody else is listening to it, this, when you want to try to listen to it, it pops up. And the question is, do you want to listen to Pandora or do you want to let the other person listen to Pandora? Yeah. It is a fork in the road. Either yeah. you can either you get to listen to it or they get to listen to it. You both can't listen to it. That's the same is true about our agenda. It's either to serve the customer or to serve ourselves. Those are the only two options. And if we don't choose to serve the customer, we will default to self. Yeah. Because there's money involved. Good. Good. Very, yep. Very, very good point. I think that that illustration would really help people out there. Um, excellent. All right. Are we ready to move on to point number three, Tom? Or is there anything left on point I two? I am. I'm ready. I'm ready for okay. whatever you're throwing at me. So Let's far, the beer is not empty. The beer can's not empty. So I'm still here. You're still here. All right. So, so let's move on to the next session about, you know, section, I should say, about um, tip, kind of pro tip. These are pro tips, Scott. So, sorry, I'm so sorry. Pro, pro tips. Tip. Pro tips. Professional tips. Professional, no pro. 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 So these pro tips, number three, you, you talk about priming your point or priming the point. What does that mean? What is Yeah, prime, prime the point. This, this really accomplishes two things, prime mm -hmm. the point. And what I mean by that is when you want to make a point yep. or set up a slide, what almost everybody does and I, I hate to say everybody because I'm sure some people don't do this, but every time I've ever watched a presentation, they do this. You start talking about you. Mm -hmm. If you're the seller, you start talking about you. Here's the point I want to make. And here's, here's what I want to talk about with the slide. What you want to do prime the point. What I mean by that is you want to start with them. Yep. You want to start by describing a problem that they have or something that's happening in their organization to prime the point that you want to make. And the best way to think about that is to start with the phrase, because you, I because you are expanding into, or because your salespeople blah, or because you have a software program that blah, or because you, if you can't start the sentence with, because you, then you really can't connect the point that you're about to make to them. And that accomplishes two things. One, you are super confident 
and you are super passionate when you know what you're talking about. And when you know the problem that you solve, that's where your confidence and passion go. That's where I get confident. Mm -hmm. And that's where I spend all my time and prepare. It's not that I don't know my stuff, but I struggle to know them. Yeah. And so if I can't start off with, let me tell you the problem in your organization that we're seeing, or here's what we typically see in organizations like you, they are doing the following. And as soon as you do that, your confidence is elevated and your passion is elevated. And then you just lead them to your point. The second thing, and probably more importantly, is every time you talk about them, you are 100% guaranteed to capture their attention. Yep. If I show you a picture of you, you will look at it yep. 100% of the time. If I show you a picture of me, you will not look at it or you'll fake looking at it. If I show you a picture of you and me, you will just look at you. <laughs> and, just, well, and you're worried about your hair. Works. Yeah. How do I look? Right? You might like it. You might not like it, but you will look at it. Yeah. And yeah. so every time you talk to the people about them and draw them to them and talk, start with them, then you draw them to your point. So that's what I mean. That's a pro tip. That is, and it's such a, it's such a memorable thing to just mm. say, I mean, it's easy to remember because you say, because you, if you can just start a sentence with, because you, mm -hmm. you are guaranteed to get their attention. That is so easy to remember. Right. So yeah. just a, just a perfect illustration of how to, to organize yourself and, and improve your mindset as you go into, you know, each step of this. Process. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to make a real quick point about that too, yeah. Scott, is that you don't have to say because you, but yeah. that in your mind. Yes. It, like when you're preparing, if you can't start with because you, whether yeah. you do or not, you're not ready. Now, you don't have to do that for everything. But again, as you're thinking about what are the 10 things, you know, you think about what are the five things? You know, we were preparing for a presentation that we're going to be making Thursday. We were preparing for it last night. And so we were like, there's four things, four points that we need to make. So when we get to those four points, whether it's a slide or a point in a slide, we think of how are we going to deliver that message? We need to start with their problem. Good. Good. I love that one. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about that and, and yeah, the, because you sort of figurative or literal, uh, both can work. And I, and I totally agree with that. Um, let's talk about the next point, which is you talk about speaking in definitive statements. Um, mm -hmm. what does that mean? What do you mean by, by definitive? We're definitive statements means you're saying things as a fact or they, they're, they're you, they can't be refuted. It's not arguable. It's like law of gravity or, yeah, um, it, it just, this is always true. It's an absolute truth. So when yeah. you say things in definitive statements, here's what happens. They believe you have the solution to their problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In other words, think of it, think of your role as this way. You're leading them to a solution. They're buying you and your solution because they believe that you can lead them to the promised land. Right. You can lead them to their desired destination. If you're not confident about where you're going, they're not going to follow you. Yep. And what makes them feel confident is when you speak in definitive statements for this, for you to solve this problem, three things have to happen. Boom, boom, boom. The other day someone asked me, so, so how do you drive engagement? And that was part of this presentation, part of the meeting. And I said, there's three things that drive engagement, autonomy, meaning, and mastery. And, you know, I just said those things. Now it doesn't matter whether I know that because of something I've discovered. It's just, I learned it somewhere. I believe it. I've thought about it. And that's what drives. We talk about with organizations, they say, well, how do you drive change? Change happens one-to-one, -one, not in a workshop. That's a definitive statement. It's not, it's not arguable. It's just true. If you want dramatic change, it doesn't happen in a workshop. That ignites change, but it doesn't drive change. Change mm -hmm. happens if anybody's a leader knows that. You need to work one-on-one -on -one to, have to have dramatic change. So that's an example of when you speak like that, you get passionate 
and the customer gets excited because they're like, wow. What's interesting for me when I, when I hear you so passionately talk about that is if you haven't done the things earlier in the conversation, like what we talked about reframing your role and, and making mm-hmm. sure people really understand your role is to serve them and support them and help them right. make the right buying decision, that part you just talked about, definitive strong statements, could almost come across as cocky and arrogant. And I don't know if this guy has my best interest in mind, but when you pair them up, and you do them in the right sequence. Now there's magic, right? Because oh, I, I trust this point. guy, right? And he's very confident in his illustration or his recommendation. Yeah. That creates the magic. That's a really good point, Scott. And I think that's really, this is a fine line that you manage. This is a tension that you manage in conversation. And the way that I, I get, I get, correctly positioned about speaking definitive truths hmm. is I'm not telling them what to do. Right. I am just saying, this is the law of gravity. Mm-hmm. If you drop this, it will fall. You can do whatever you want. And maybe right. I'm not, I'm not correct about this. The problem that I'm assuming that you have, or maybe I haven't done all the due diligence, but if this, if you have this problem and you want to get this thing done, we've been focused on this as an organization for, whatever, 20 years, 50 years, collectively 200 years, we have 500 people in our organization. You think about all the resources that you have in your organization, you wanna position that and say, we've learned that this is, these are the three things that have to happen for that to, to occur, for you to solve that problem. What you do with that, you do whatever you want with it. You're just speaking truth, right? right? You're not saying, and you need to buy from me, or you need to stop doing that. So as soon as you step over to start telling them what they should do, that's where you start to lose the crowd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the crowd, I know there's another um, really important point. And I think more important now as the world has moved to mostly virtual meetings and certainly right. virtual presentations is how to keep the group engaged, right? And I, yeah. I think we, we cover this in a lot of our writing and a lot of our content and a lot of our podcasts, but how does one as the leader of this conversation, the, the, the person in the front of the room, so to speak, right? Whether right. it's figurative or literal, keep the, the audience engaged. That's, it seems like that's such a critical point, but how do you do it? Well, if, if you followed our advice to this point, most likely they're going to be pretty engaged. You've, yeah. got, you've got the right amount of slides, the, the, the slides are set up, you've primed the point, drawn them in by talking about them before you make your point. All those things will keep you engaged. But if you're making a virtual presentation, um, it's just really hard. Distraction is your number one challenge. Yeah. So call on people by name yes. or stop or look at their face. And, and one of the reasons that you don't want to have a lot of content is because, and you don't want to be tied to your slides, right. which we're going to talk about in a minute, how to be prepared is so that you can actually be looking at their face. And I had this happen to me the other day in a presentation where I was the recipient of a presentation. The rep was top notch rep. Yeah. Very, very accomplished. And she stopped. Oh, you were in this meeting. Yeah, I was in this meeting. I right. Remember story. She looked at me. She was watching my face. Yeah. Right. So she purposely, right. she clicked on my picture, I guess, because, yeah. you know, when they're real small, yep. a virtual presentation, she pulled it up because she didn't know me as well as she knew you. Right. And so she doesn't I know since I'm my title, she's, she doesn't, she's trying to figure out, well, what's Tom's perspective and do I care and is important. And she could see that I made a face and she stopped. You said, Tom, you look, like you may not have bought into that point or you may be a little, you seem like you're not 
totally convinced that that's accurate. So she stopped and asked us. She asked us multiple times throughout the presentation, rank things. She, she continually looked for creative ways to get our feedback, which, which I find is not as necessary when I'm face-to-face. -face. When I'm face-to-face, -face, I'm looking at people. People are looking at me. Right, and they right. Want that email now. And so, so I think you have to work more. You have to work harder to see the people. Um, you have to ask more questions, call on people, draw them in and stop at times and don't show slides. That's another way to get them engaged. Yeah. Turn off your, don't share your screen and just, just have them say, looking yeah. at each other and say, okay, let's talk about that point for a second. We talked about that there's three things that need to happen. We've talked about number one. Let's talk about that. What are your thoughts about? We shared our best practices. What are your concerns? Turn the screen, then you can share again and go back to, to the next slide. So yeah. uh, it's like, it's like building ideas. a new habit in this virtual world because yes. I think if you're a good presenter, some of that flows naturally when you're in the room with a lot, because you, you could see the reaction, right? Yes. You'd say, John, that doesn't seem to have made sense to you. Can I, can I clarify it or can you, can you, you know, re, re, restate your question? That's all a lot more natural in a face-to-face, -face, but we've got to get used to this in the virtual world. And to your right. point, whatever that sales rep did, she noticed that you were not, you know, uh, you know, completely with her and called, called on you and, and clarified something that was probably pretty important to us making yeah. the decision. Right. That was, that well, was the good. other point is too, is that I'm not going to say things in a virtual presentation that I would say face to face. Yeah. Like because it's virtual and I feel like it, I always talk about it. There's a distance barrier that the phone or the, or meeting virtually creates. There's not at the same level of intimacy. That's why it's so much easier for us to check email, look at our phones. It's like, we're just not with the people. It's yeah. kind of the same distance barrier that happens when you're driving. You see the other people, but it's not the same as standing next to them in a grocery store. That's right. why you'll pass somebody, get in front of them and, and, and then get off the exit, you know, get off the highway, you know, ahead of them. <laughs> or cut in front of them in the car, but you wouldn't do that in the grocery store. You wouldn't speed up, get in front of them in the grocery store line. No. When you saw that they paused, you know, it's, it's a, it's just a different level of intimacy. So the fact that you have to call on people and I still might not tell the whole truth because I don't feel the same amount of intimacy, then you've got to draw them out a little bit more yeah. and ask several clarifying questions to get the person talking. Excellent. Well, and we've got one last point that I think really perfectly takes us back full circle on this whole thing because we started off with the framework and sort of right. all the preparation two podcasts ago and two blogs ago um and, and you and we kind of close this with preparation right and i know you've got sort of a rule of thumb that i think helps everybody um as they prepare for these immense presentations that they're giving or even these these you know opening yeah. presentations but what's your what's your golden rule of prepare well, I, I think of preparing, and this may not be true for everybody, but most of us, when we're making this, especially the finals presentation, yeah. we don't have that many, especially right. if you sell real strategic, you might have five, you might have 10 yeah. a year. Right. So you need to prepare for them like it's the, it's, you're delivering a keynote. And if you're delivering one a week, then you're probably don't have to prepare the same level as other people that are, that are delivering only maybe five yeah. or 10 a year. But there's still a level of preparation that needs to happen. And I think most people that I've worked with really uh, cut corners when it comes to prep. They're like, I'll prep on the way, or they just haven't thought through what's needed. You know, it's kind of like, how do you study for a test? I don't know. I'll just kind of do it. Yeah. It's like, there's a specific way to prepare. And what we've all talked about 
so far, it helps us understand why prepare takes so long. And it's so important because the whole because you and what slides and how you're going to cut all that and how you're going to build a slide to make the point that you want to make to support what you're going to say. And then you don't want to be standing there and reading and looking at your notes. You want to look at them and it all needs to flow and you need to communicate with passion and you need to be, you communicate definitive statements and you need to have those memorized. You don't want to be looking at it. Now you, you can have some of that on your slides and you can, you yeah, can have yeah. little prompts and you, yes, you can look at your notes from time to time, but generally you got to have all that nailed down. So how much time does that take is a 10 X rule as I use, I use a 10 X rule and this has worked for me for years. So you just take the, the number of minutes that you have in presentation, multiply it by 10 and that's the time it will take to prepare. To thoroughly prepare. I think it's, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's, and that's, I've, I've done that uh, as long as I've prepared, even though I've been selling the same solution, it's every, every because the customer is unique their needs are unique, what they think are unique, the decision, you think it's all the same. And maybe some of the slides all look the same, but what you say and how you say it and how you connect to them, it's just different. And that's and, how you get to a win rate that's as high as yours. I mean, that's you, you, you over-prepare, you're other-centered, you're focused on the customer, you go in with an attitude of, I'm here to help you make the right buying decision, not necessarily put money in my pocket. And I yeah. think when you do all that right, your win percentage goes way up and it goes way up. yeah, you, you probably have fewer finals presentations, but you win a high percentage of them or you can do it the old fashioned way and, you know, try it 10 times and probably win one or two of them. Um, it's your choice listeners. <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, you know, the, it, it, I would just say, I think the average win rate is somewhere around 20%. Yeah. But the, if you just look at the truth related to some of these points, it's like, how could it not be, how could it not help you? And so maybe you don't need to do all of it, right? You, you, you would pick one or two things that you, yeah. you feel like will help you and try it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I will tell you that the number one reason that I started to prepare in early days, because I was very nervous. Yep. Um, I was very nervous about making a presentation. So, you know, you walk in the room, there's 10 people staring at you, or there are five people staring at you. And it's like, and it all comes down to this, you know, performance, if you will, like we've yeah. talked about. And, yeah. and so there's a lot at stake. There and really um, when I would go through this process, I got comfortable and calm. Yeah, that's good. And when I skipped any of these steps, then I, I didn't know really what I was talking about. I couldn't connect it to their world. I kind of just would wing it or I got self-centered. Then I, 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 didn't go well. Right. So, you know, it's funny when I first started with Aslan, I, I learned this phrase. I can't even remember where it originated and maybe it was you, but a lot of the stuff we talk about is common sense, but hardly ever common practice. Right. And I can't right. remember the origination of that quote, but to that me, it actually this, came from a client. Did it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. The client said that. So there's a lot of stuff that you guys teach us is common sense. It's just not commonly practiced. Yeah. Client said that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is true. Right. When you look at a lot of these things, just treating people the way you want to be treated and, and helping them, you know, reach the right buying decision and, and being the expert that they seek by building that trust. I think those are all common sense things. They make sense, hard to argue with, but how many right. people are really doing it? So uh, hopefully we've helped today. Um, and over the last couple podcasts, really give you some framework, some perspective on how you can control the stage and really some pro tips that will help you, you know, kind of, 
build the right presentation, prepare properly, and, and uh, give your A effort when you're in front of a customer. Tom, any closing thoughts before we uh, turn the group loose? Well, I have a little assignment if anybody okay. wants to take up on the assignment. And, and a lot of people listening to this may have already done this, but I would recommend watching some of the top TED Talks. Hmm. Because that is a very tough stage. Not yeah. only the very few people are allowed to um, present, um, but the the way that they, um, I think, demand the way that you present, and the way and the and the and you can't look at your notes. I mean, most people don't really look at their notes. So it, it. But if you look at the top, the top uh, presenters, you'll see that they follow a lot of these same truths related to effective presentation just write down what what did you pay attention to why did you pay attention to it how did they use definitive yeah. statements how did they connect the point you'll see like Brene Brown is a master at it yeah and she she makes very basic common truths proprietary in the way she hmm. talks about it and the way she connects it to us and so she's great with definitive statements yeah and that's why we believe them that's why they have a platform because they're speaking this truth whether whether it came from them or not yeah. So yeah. that would be my that would be my encouragement. So I think for the first time in the history of Ales with Aslan, besides going and having and finishing your beer, we've now actually given homework, Tom. So Oh wow, yeah. Well that's a recommendation. It's, it's a recommendation. A... All right. So do with it what you will. You don't have to, because we're yeah. dropping the rope here. But uh, it might be helpful as someone that presents for a living for you to go watch some TED Talks. I like that. It's perfect. All right, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us this week. A great close to the three part series. Hopefully everybody's enjoying. Make sure you drop comments down below, subscribe, share this with your friends. We just, Tom, went over 10,000 downloads. Um, we are very excited about that threshold. Just, wow. We're up for awesome. a million next. From million. Here. <laughs> we, we, we just went, made we it to the moon. We have a million downloads. I love it. We're going, yeah, a billion. One a billion. We've got a billion downloads. Billion. Yeah, a billion <laughs> downloads. I love that. We're very excited. And uh, thanks for joining. And we'll see you next week on another episode of Ales with Aslan.